It was one of those times in my life when I was really consumed by emotion and stress and anxiety and overwhelm. For me, that experience was finding out some not-so-good stuff about my then-husband. And at this point, I had a seven-year-old. I was looking for something that would help me just be with myself. Because I think often, as women there was this expectation to just carry on and just get on with it. From Women's Health Australia, this is Uninterrupted, a podcast where we share candid chats on all aspects of wellbeing so that you can live a healthier, more empowered life. I'm Editor-in-Chief Lisa Gebeluggen. Here's a not-so-fun stat that many of us may relate to. 69% of women are currently stressed according to a 2022 report by Liptember Foundation. That's just one reason we're excited about today's podcast guest. Mind coach Poppy Delbridge is on a mission to help people ease stress and get the most out of their lives. As well as drawing on manifestation, she's also an expert in tapping, a practice that involves physically tapping on certain areas of the body. You'll hear more about that in this episode, and you can dig even deeper via Poppy's new book, Tapping In. Manifest the life you want with the transformative power of tapping. She even takes our managing editor, Alex Davies, through a short tapping exercise at the end of their chat. Now over to Poppy and Alex. I'd love to start off with, for those who haven't heard of tapping before, can you please just tell us a bit about what the practice actually is and yeah, what it's all about? So the book's title kind of explains the reason for tapping, actually. I called it tapping in because for me, that's an opportunity to really connect with yourself and to really tap in to what you're capable of and, you know, all of the feelings that we can experience But often it's difficult to know how to do that if you've got a lot of chatter going on in your brain um, and voices going on and self-doubts and lots of these emotions. So tapping essentially is a solution for stress and anxiety and worries and overwhelm. And if you really get into it, like I am, (laughs) and like I explain in the book and give routines in the book for you can start to use it to really create uh, what you want in your life rather than just use it. And I say just loosely because it's really difficult times at the moment, but just using it to cope. And actually, when you say tapping, it actually is the the act of tapping, isn't it? That you're doing the kind of the physical act on certain points. Is that right? That's right. So it's a technique. It's evidence-based. It's had a lot of clinical trials over decades It was actually discovered by a psychologist in America who was working with a lot of patients, I guess, in traditional talking therapy sense. He was interested in Eastern techniques and interesting techniques that hadn't really made it to the West at that point. So he liked the roots of acupressure, acupuncture. And he started tapping literally on the face of a lady with a phobia, big phobia of water. And it had a miraculous, very almost instant effect And after years and years, it's kind of cured her phobia. And since then, it's gone through lots of different trials about how it can be utilised every day. It's part cognitive, I say, because you're using your brain, your neurology. It's quite sciencey. And part mm, spiritual, 
because the spiritual world is really about your energy and how connected you feel to yourself and the world. And a lot of us do feel really isolated and disconnected. So there's two things going on when you tap. One is it brings your nervous system into balance again, so it really helps with stress. It stops hormones coming out, like pumping through your body like we're used to, putting you on fight or flight, high alert. But it also really connects you to what could be possible in your life. And with the points that you tap on, it, is, it kind of draws on the some of the acupressure kind of points that people maybe if they've tried acupuncture or acupressure, is that right? That it, they're the kind of maybe some of the points you might be working with? Yeah, so energy points or meridian points, the ends of the meridian points. So these are kind of invisible lines, I guess. You could call it a kind of pathway system that goes through your body beyond kind of flesh and blood that they use in acupuncture. So the roots are there, but instead of needles, which is good (laughs) uh, for me anyway, because I've been tapping on a needle phobia for a while and I'm pretty good at it now, but no needles and you literally are tapping on points, mostly in your face and upper body. So it's quite easy to do. There's a really great sense with the work you do of making it accessible. Like it's something that we can all, you know, you can see a practitioner, but there are exercises that we can all do, whether it's for 30 minutes, 30 seconds, you know, 15 minutes or whatever. And it's that's it's that idea of it fitting into your kind of your life, I guess. Because it really is a lifestyle thing. And um, I think with so much going on, you don't you don't want to bamboozle yourself for too much. Uh, so I really aim for this to be quite simple and add it on to what you already do and just use it in high emotional circumstances just to start with. So if you're feeling really stressed or, you know, you're picking up your kid from school or they're, they're not getting dressed in the morning or whatever it is, or you've got a big work thing to do, try it and then just see how it works and then just play with it. And then you can become more sophisticated with it. And then so in your book, which I uh, got kind of last week and I started reading, and I know at the beginning you share a really powerful story about your kind of first experience of tapping and it was with your mum. I wondered if you just would mind sharing a little bit about the, your experience of doing that and the kind of impact that first experience had on you yeah I mean it was one of those times in my life when I was really consumed by emotion and stress and anxiety and overwhelm which I'm sure lots of people couldn't relate to for me that experience was you know finding out some not so good stuff about my then husband and at this point I had a seven-year-old and you know I'd, I'd got married quite young and I'd had a baby quite young I was looking for something that would help me really just be with myself a bit. Because I I think often, as women, if you've got responsibilities, and at that point I had quite a big career as well in media, there was this expectation to just carry on and just get on with it. And that was really hard for me to do. And because I was questioning so many things like my identity, who am I? If I'm not a wife, mother, who am I? And, you know, now I work with lots of women in that situation, making big changes in their life. This one was forced upon me. So it was like, whoa. And my mum kind of came and said to me, you know, Poppy, remember you're tapping. And so I did it. Quite reluctantly at first, I have to say, because it is, I'll be honest, quite a strange thing. If you haven't heard of it, you are tapping on your face and saying things. When I did that, 
you know, that was a long time ago now, about 12 years ago, I realised, oh, okay, it works. And I could feel what was possible in that moment again and be more present and take control of the situation again. So for me, that really got me hooked into the power of it. You work with so, so many different people. And from what I gather, people from really different walks of life and careers and that kind of thing. And I wondered what areas have you seen tapping help people with or impact people? I've yet really to find an area that it hasn't helped with because the very act of of tapping and going through the routines is, number one, sort of uh, calming you, literally calming your nervous system. And then number two you're changing your belief system bit by bit, tap by tap. So it's really hard to change beliefs. You know, you can journal and you can use mindset techniques and you can sort of try and force yourself to think a certain way or not think a certain way. But I have found that actually whether I'm working with, you know, someone in high stress environments, you know, I work with people in the UN or people who are made redundant, of a job it has exactly the same effect or whether it's a belief that's been holding someone back for a long time about maybe what they can do so that's self-doubt self-worth um self-love thing or whether you use it in a really productive way so it's to combat procrastination or whether you want to use it to step into something completely new so there's so many different things you can use it for and of course you can use it for things like pains and headaches. And um, I I'll use it every morning if I just have aches and pains. And it has an amazing effect there. Yeah, because I was understanding from what I was reading is that there are different uh, types of tapping or different strands of tapping. Is that right? And and you practice a particular type, and but people might come across other types. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So like anything, like any practice, yoga, meditation, breath work, there are different things that appeal to different people. And tapping can be traced back, you know, really far back. And I actually find people say to me, look, I I tap instinctively. You know, I tap on myself if I'm stressed or I tap. Um, I pat my dog. You know, we have this kind of you pat your baby. We, We have this tapping thing innately in us, which is really interesting when I was researching for the book. It began as uh, TFT. uh, Then it moved into EFT, which is still great. I'm a practitioner of EFT which is great for trauma, emotional freedom techniques, which is really powerful. And then there's other strands of it, like you say. So there's um, something that deals with inner child, particularly. Um, My style is very much boosting energy and boosting happiness and boosting our frequency, our vibration. And so my style is called rapid tapping. And that's more self-tapping. It's something we sometimes do instinctively. It's I think it's that love of the tactile that we often have, isn't it? You know, just you know, whether it's tapping hands or our face. So I sometimes I find I do it with my fingers a little bit as well, just when I'm thinking. Um, yeah, and it's interesting. It draws on something that is a comfort for us anyway, I think. Yeah, like the power of, of touch is, is massive. You know, and one of the things we do in rapid tapping is we do like a self-massage on these sore spots, which we'll see in the book before, because... It's just very grounding. It's just a very grounding technique to do. It is instinctual, like you say. 
makes me think of the time that we've been through over the past few years with the pandemic. And, you know, in most countries around the world, there was limitations and social contact and how you could see people. And, you know, maybe especially if you lived alone, perhaps, and people miss that, that tactile social contact. We missed hugs and things like that. And have you noticed that with over the past few years with people, that real urge to... Yeah, kind of literally get back in touch again and the power of touch. Absolutely. It's really healing. And when the pandemic hit, I moved a lot of what I was doing online. So now I work big communities online because tapping is fantastic online. And what I found was that because I was working with some people who were completely isolated um, and also people really isolated in actually their relationships because everything was just amplified, wasn't it? That actually having that ability to lead people through the just the physical touch, let alone with the, you know, the wordings and the routines and, you know, guiding them through, was really powerful just in and of itself. And now, because we can get back into events again, I'm feeling so excited next year to bring people together and do events and, you know, have that sense of just touch. It's just so powerful and it's a free resource um, you know, like tapping is actually uh, that that we I wish we would were taught how to do a lot more from an early age. So, if we're curious for those listening, you know, what's your advice for getting started? And perhaps, do you have any tips for getting the most from our tapping experience? Well, I always say just get going. Don't worry about doing it right at this point. Just notice if you're really stressed. Just notice what happens when you you know, start to tap on your collarbones and heart area. If you need support with where to do it and what to do to start with, there's, you know, diagram in the book and there's routines. But the first thing just to really maximise it, I suppose, is just don't be afraid to begin. Don't be afraid to begin. Even just giving it a go and going, oh, I'm not sure I've got that right, is a start. If you're interested in learning this yourself, um, grab the book. And of course, if you if you want to go deeper into something, go to, you know, a practitioner, get in touch. Yeah, because I even found just trying one of the exercises from the book. At first, you do kind of think, OK, am I doing the right spot? And actually, even when I when I just stop trying to think too much about that, you just notice how much even just it just makes you be a little bit more present, a little bit more kind of not thinking about anything else when you're just doing that light tapping on your face in different areas and it's so relaxing even if just a base kind of level so I'd encourage yeah, anyone to give it a go because I found it even just for those 30 seconds or so just so relaxing especially the under eye bit <laughs> yeah it's so relaxing it's uh it is a wonderful thing to do so in addition to tapping I would love to know for you personally do you sort of have any other non-negotiables when it comes to your well-being and things that really yeah are really important for you in that sense for me it's now a case of preserving my energy and really making sure that I'm in a, as good a frequency and by frequency I just mean you know that kind of way that you feel if there was a sort of line you know going up and down and at the bottom of the other things that you feel like oh this is heavy I'm not feeling good right now. And all the way to the top, you're feeling like, yeah, okay. In the book, it's called a frequency scale. I really try and preserve myself to be, to move myself above that line as much as I can. So for me, it's simple things. What can I do right now to make sure I'm doing something that brings me some joy and happiness? 
very small things. That's mega for me. And also the people in my life, the environment in my life is important too. And so, you know, whenever you want to create something, do something, go for something, just make sure you've got some people around you that are your wing women or wing men. I think it's it's one of those things that can really drag you down if you haven't got support in that way. So that's one of the big things I do. And also to tap, you know, so if I'm feeling a bit miserable in the morning or tired or like, oh, I've got a really busy day, I will always just go straight to my tapping and it just brings me above that line. For me, it's like the mornings are quite important because that sets your tone of the day. Do you sort of have, is that kind of when you have your morning rituals where you maybe will do tapping or you'll do certain things? I tend to not like be too beholden to it, but it's really important to just do the things in the morning that get you into the vibe of the day. So I do a tap before I wake up, before I even do much actually. I'm like in bed, then I'm already onto the morning tap. <laughs> and then I'll usually have, you know, like go down, get, get a lot of green juice and do some journaling. And I'll use a bit of time in the morning just to set myself right. Because as humans, the first thing we're built to do is basically think about the bad stuff and the negatives. That's literally how we're wired. Um, our brain <laughs> likes to remember emotional highs. So the, if you've got a lot of emotional highs that are negative, it will, it will bring that back to keep you safe because it's trying to save you from experiencing them again. So it's really lovely for me to do more emotional highs that are important. Um, so I try and make sure that I carve out time for that. And then you mentioned as well, um, making sure to kind of, you know, uh, prioritise working in things that make you happy, just even the small things, the small moments of joy. And I wondered if you could share like a couple of things that are really great examples of that for you. You know, what are some of the the absolute joy sparkers for you, I guess? Like, so what, so I always say when I'm working with people or they're in my club or whatever, think about things that you interact with every day and how can you do like a little thing to upgrade that thing? So I had a client, she, she loved tea and she would have tea. It was one of her rituals. But she was drinking her tea. Her teapot was like really old hand-me-down. She did not really like it. And she'd always wanted a, a teapot from Liberty, which is like, you know, the big lovely store here. And in the end, she was like, right, do you know what? I am worth that feeling and I am going to get that Liberty teapot. And then every time she thought of that teapot and used that teapot, she was in that frequency again of like, I'm worth it. You know, I'm living in this lovely vibration. So one thing I always try and do, like I've just done it recently. I'm like, oh, I really like these little espresso cups. And um, I was like, it's not the thing. I'm not interested in the thing itself so much, but it's the feeling it gives you. And so... Now I've sort of upgraded my little teacup, right, and my little espresso cups that I use. So I always think, what can you do like that? That we're giving out this sort of impression that we're tolerating it. Do you ever do that? You know, when you're like, oh, I'm just tolerating this really annoying, like, thing that I've got here. Why have I got that old thing that I've not chucked out? <laughs> so like look at your environment and then see right what would spark and I know this is like Marie Kondo language but what would spark some joy and then do it I definitely find that a bit with my workspace I was getting to a point where I felt like you know you kind of 
just want, I just didn't want to work there and I didn't want to be around it for whatever reason. And then I was like, right, what can I do? And so I've put up, you know, a picture of my nephew and some little cards and things I got and some flowers I really like and actually made an effort to make the workspace something that has things that have make me smile a bit on it. And it does make you kind of, it is worth that time, just the little small tweaks here and there to whatever you may be doing. That's right. And if you use that as a metaphor for what we can do with, you know, our feelings in our life and our inner environment, which you do with tapping and different things that I lay out, then you can imagine the little uh, ripple effect of that. So you start with these little things and you then can go, ooh, okay. And it's sort of a metaphor for that. I think your environment, your external environment, you know, look at your internal environment, look at your inner environment and, and pay it the same attention. Yeah, I love that. So I was going to ask you how you approach making goals. I think sometimes goals is quite a pressurised word. Um, it comes with its own like, oh, I've got to achieve it. And then that brings us back into like imposter syndrome and can I? And I tend to look at expanding your vision of life. I look at, right, next year, if I was to create a vision of my life of how I want to feel, the things that might come into it, what would that look like? And could I create uh, an actual vision board of it, you know, mood board, vision board? And I, you have to kind of push yourself a bit because this is why I do a lot of vision in, in my club because if you're just there on your own thinking, what do I want for next year? It can be quite limited. We limit ourselves. And so it helps to take some time, you know, it doesn't have to be loads of time, but like take an evening and go, right, I'm going to play now, I'm going to imagine, you know, and I'm going to create something that would feel really lovely for me, joyful for me. And don't pressurise yourself too much, but just think about what that vision might be. So next year, I will feel, and then just notice what you write down, and then think about reverse engineering that. So what needs to, I do a process called Pivot into Power, which is like seven D's. So we look at like the initial desire. So from that vision, what's one of the desires? So it could be, I don't know, you want to move house or you want to change a job or have a side hustle business. And then you go, okay, so what's the desire within that? And you start to reverse engineer to make that happen. In other words, manifest it. And then you discover a little bit more about ourselves. Like, okay, what would stop me from doing that why might I mess this up <laughs> um, and then you decide so once you've looked at that you're like right what well, do I do I decide this or is it just that I would quite like it because there is a big difference there and then you'd work on debunking the parts of you that are like nah I can't have this I can't feel this it's not possible and that's a lot of the, the tapping that I do rapid tapping we focus on that bit of it so reducing that that feeling of I can't have it, I can't feel it, I can't be it. And then you would ditch some stuff for next year that is not conducive to that. So what kind of needs to go? What can you let go of that you don't need anymore? And then you do something about it. So you, you know you set some little parameters. This is probably the most goalie, goalie bit of it. And then, you know, the next D is done. And that's more of a feeling of kind of going, right, I'm committed to this this could be done and if this was done how would I then show up in my life every day working with or encountering 
so, you know, so many different types of people through what you do and then through your past career, like you were saying in media and things as well. I wondered if it was possible to pin one down, if there's a, ever been a piece of advice, whether it's about life or career, that's really stuck with you and the kind of best piece of advice, I guess, you've ever received in that when kind of one of those worlds, whether it's work or life and something you always love for other people to know. One of the things that really got me going in this personal development space and then ultimately led to me quitting my job um, in 2018 in media to do this full time was was the the simple the simple very simple phrase thoughts become things and as I've gone on I've understood what that means it's led me to understand that the thoughts I have mostly about myself and the way I talk to myself really in the end does end up being that reality around me because if I don't talk to myself kindly you know and install self-belief then I can't rely on anyone else to give it to me so I have always found that that phrase has led me forward because if I don't like the things around me then I I kind of step it back and go okay what am I mostly, not all, because we can't control our thoughts. There's just so many of them. They're just so annoying most of the time. <laughs> but if, if your dominant thoughts are like, this isn't possible, then I, I really do the work now to make it possible because then I know I can change the things. And that's what, that's what I do personally. And, and when, when I work with my clients, that's what broadly we look at, the relationship between our inner self and the outer world that we live in and has it come a lot back to that like you were saying about that self-talk and that voice that we have internally which we can it can be so we can be so hard on ourselves with that voice sometimes so mean to ourselves <laughs> so horrible but you know I've seen a massive change in that you know back back in the day when I was going through all that stuff when you said when did I start really tapping the amount of vitriol I would say in my head you know, I'm rubbish, I've messed this up, you know. It was shocking to me, even writing the book, going back over that and going, wow, I really gave myself a hard time. And I just thought, oh, God, this, you know, how can we stop doing that? And that's that's now my absolute mission for other women. How can we, how can we stop that voice in the head? You know, because when we do manage to lessen that, that's when we start to see really exciting things happen in our lives. And then just very lastly, I wondered if you wouldn't mind um, maybe sharing a short exercise or a short tapping exercise that anyone listening could maybe give a go. Um, and I was thinking perhaps as we are recording this on a Monday, maybe there's something good about focus or energy or getting our weeks off to a good start. And yeah, whatever you think. So Mondays are great. Every Monday I do a free class. And so I can kind of, so this Monday, for example, we're going to be a bit like, right, let's just go for it kind of vibes so one that would be really useful I won't go through the whole like stepped routine but if because we were talking about self-touch and healing touch you can cross your hands over your middle of your chest so sort of under your collarbones like it's a bit of a butterfly one hand on top of the other and then what you do is you find your collarbone so when you hunch up like the sticky out bit and then you go down like a couple of inches until you find, if you push these 
sore spots. So they're quite tender. Can you feel yeah. them? Poppy and I are both doing our yeah. the exercise now. <laughs> yeah. So if you push there, and everyone can do this too, and then you just notice what you feel. And you'll notice a difference if you just say, you know, it's Monday morning, and, and let, let's just see what comes out if I ask you. So today I feel... A little bit anxious. Yeah. And then you give it like a logical reason because your brain does like logic. So then we say this word, because. Because I'm thinking about deadlines. Yeah. Okay. And then we shift it into what might be possible for you today. So then we say, but it is possible for me it is possible for me to be grateful for this day. To be grateful for this day. And fully accept the way I feel. And fully accept the way I feel. And then just take your breath in through your nose, out through your mouth. Good. And then we might just do like a little tap after that. But even before we did that, can you notice a difference? Yeah, I think even just that breath and like taking, just like acknowledging something and taking a moment for it a bit, it does just make you feel just like, oh, like you said, that that deep breath on your shot, you know, the weight off your shoulders a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's giving yourself a chance to acknowledge it and just be like, it's okay. I'm yeah. like, you know, I'm a human. And it'll be okay, yeah. Yeah. So that's like a very, you know, quick way just to notice the beginning effects of sort of rapid tapping and then you can continue with it. I love that. It's something anyone can try. So yeah, anyone listening, I'd encourage you, yeah, just to give that a go Monday morning or any other time. And yeah, oh, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Very welcome. This episode of Uninterrupted was hosted by Alex Davies and produced by me, Lisa Gebeluggen, with additional sound editing by Jess Campbell. For more from us, grab a copy of our latest issue with Francesca Hung on the cover. Find it on newsstands or online via Apple News Plus. Visit us at womenshealth.com.au and follow us on Instagram at womenshealthaus. Thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. We will see you next time.